0: Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. You know, we actually live our lives out of revelation of who God is, of who Jesus is. And uh, the difference between, you know, people may- maybe that follow Jesus and those that don't is the ones that do really believe that He's God. And so what do we say? Well, I think that right believing leads to right living. You can't believe wrong and live right. So we got to get a clear picture of who He is so that we can really start to follow that. And, and you know, today i tell you, this message is going to be very, very practical. So. If you're one of those people uh, that like practical messages and you think, yeah, I can walk away and there's maybe some things here that I can apply to my life, this is going to be a great message for you. But I tell you, it comes with a rating today. All right, So I'm going to give myself, right, I'm going to give this, this message that I preach to you today, I would give it a, uh, I'm going to say a PG-13 plus rating so parental guidance recommended for this message and I tell you why I thought what what I should do I'll just tell you what some of the content is up front then you can decide what you want to do um, I'm, I'm gonna talk about sex today uh, it, it's not going to be the main feature but it's going to be a, a big part of what we're talking about today because it's important and I guess as you know if you're watching this and you've got your your kids with you and you're thinking you know um, is this content that they that they want to hear well I just thought it would be better if we talked about it in church rather than letting them hear it uh, somewhere in the playground at lunchtime somebody's going to tell them something somewhere so I thought hey it's probably better if we just hear it straight out of the Word of God and, and, and hear some practical wisdom around this topic because it was absolutely relevant uh, all these years ago, all right? So, so there's, there's, there's my parental guidance recommended, PG-13+. plus. We could probably go lower than that, but anyway, it's up to you. You decide what you want to do. So here's where I'm going to start today. I would say that, that, that Christianity uh, or following Jesus is progressive. It is progressive. In other words, you, you start at one point and you, you, you're moving, you're changing, things are changing in your life and you, you, you transition, you know, into becoming who God wants you to be, you know. When you were not a Christian, you probably, everyone's got values, right? So everyone has values. We just value different things, right? So, so when you were not a Christian, there were probably things that you value, valued. But then maybe for some of those of us who are watching today, you became a Christian and suddenly all of your values, the, the things that you previously held as important or true, whatever, those things, they began to shift. And when you become a Christian, lots of things start to shift in your life. You might actually discover that that your the friends that you have now might be different to the friends that you you had back then. And I, I I'm not I'm not saying that that's necessarily always a good idea. How many of us know that? Hey, if you've got a relationship with God, you should have some friends that don't because they need Jesus too. Amen. So so you know maybe some of your friends have shifted though. Um, one thing that 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 you can't shift is your past, and we've all got one. So. For everyone, like maybe you you just grew up uh, in church all your life and your only experience has been, you know, just following Jesus, right? But there are, there are definitely some people who have this entire past, this entire history. And one of the things that I understand about, uh, you know, our, our past is that we can't forget it. I mean just because you became a Christian doesn't mean that you immediately delete all of the memories that you had. So you've got this past and that's one thing that you can't change, but but you're you changing. You're, you're progressing. Things are different for you. I, I tell you this, right? When I became a Christian, I remember uh, w- walking into church one day, had a powerful encounter with God and I realized that He was real. Like, I mean, the Holy Spirit touched me in a way that I hadn't uh, been impacted before. And it was, well, it should have been more life altering than, than it was. I, I made a decision, at the end of that day, hey, I I am going to keep going to church, and, and I kept going, but I'll tell you the honest truth, right? For about 12 months, even though I was going to church every single week, and I was unbelievably committed to it, like crazy committed to going to church every week, but the weird thing was that my life did not look that different, you know, after I made the decision to follow Jesus, because I was in transition, I was progressing. Things were different, you know, but, but I was sort of trying to grow into that new person that I really believed that God had called me to be. I tell you, I made a lot of mistakes in that first 12 months. A lot of mistakes as I was trying to figure out. I'll tell you what, what really changed for me is I had a second encounter with God, which was just a catalyst for my spiritual growth and, and, and spiritual health. And after that second experience, really after that, I was not the same. But that first 12 months, man, I, I'll tell you, I remember going in the church and I saw a guy that was kind of, you know, to me, he kind of looked like a leader, even though he, he kind of didn't want the responsibility of being a leader. I, th- I felt like he had that, that, that gift of leadership on him. And uh, and so I saw this guy, he, he'd grown up in church his whole life. And I, I would look at him and I thought, well, you know, however this guy is living, uh, I'm, I'm newer than him at this. So I honestly believe that the standard for, for my life was just lower than his. So, so I know this sounds crazy, right? But I thought if he's able to get away with stuff up here, well, I could probably get away with a lot more. And so I, I set my boundaries based on what the people that I saw around me. And I'm not necessarily saying that that was a good idea. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you something that Jesus said about all of this. There was a problem with my line of thinking. Jesus said that you'll know a tree by its fruit. In other words, when we look at somebody's life, all we see is the fruit. So we see their behaviors we see what they do. We see their, their actions and all of those things. And and Jesus is really making a point. He's saying, hey, if you see a, a tree and the fruit is bad, uh, then that's an indicative of the health of that tree. So if the fruit is, is bad, then the, the tree is bad. If the fruit is good, then, then the tree is good. And so, you know, If you had have looked at my life in that 12 months, I'm telling you, it was probably a pretty unhealthy looking tree, but what do I say? I said, we're in transition, we're in, Process. We're a work in process. I remember years ago I was in a meeting with Dr. Alan Meyer and he, he said this one line. I, I don't know if it was a throwaway line or if he thought deeply about it. He was classic for having deep lines and just saying them one off, but I, I couldn't shake it. He said this, when it comes to church and, and life and, and following God, he goes, you can come and you can struggle, but you're not welcome to come and not struggle. And that was so profound to me because what he's really saying is, is that, you know what? You're gonna go through a time when you wrestle through stuff, and we understand that. But you've got to be careful about moving boundaries in your life and becoming really okay with sin and being really okay with allowing behaviors and things in your life that, look, in all honesty, you probably realized at some point that maybe they were not okay or. as we start to move our boundaries out there, and if we become okay with doing the wrong things, it's not healthy for us at all. Now, a couple of thousand years ago, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a letter to a church in uh, Colossae. Now, I would love to tell you that, you know, he wrote this letter specifically to the church. You ever notice that? Do you ever notice it when, when Paul writes his letters? He doesn't say, hey, to the entire city of Colossae. Um, I'm writing to everyone in Rome. I'm writing to everyone in Philippi. He doesn't say all of those things. In fact, when you look look at how he starts his letters, he says, I'm writing to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in, in Colossae, to the saints in Rome. He always writes to the saints. In other words, he is able to distinguish between people that follow Jesus and people that don't follow Jesus. So all of his letters, they're actually pretty, a lot of the times he's correcting some things that are wrong, but he realizes that his correction only goes so far. It only goes so far as you believe in Jesus. Now, if you believe in Jesus, then Paul's words carry great weight and authority in, uh, they should carry weight and authority in our lives, but but you know, if you're not a believer, then these things carry less weight. They're just not as important. Why? Because right believing leads to right living. So it begins with exactly how you thought. And you've got to understand this, right? Non-Christians, people that don't follow Jesus, people that don't even believe in Jesus, right? They they do not value what we value. And as Christian people, it would be crazy for us to hold other people to the same standard that we have when they don't believe what we believe. I'm not saying necessarily that we should become okay with it. I'm saying our first port of call, rather than trying to make people less sinful, by the way, that is not what the church does. We're not here to just moralize everyone, right? Our first port of call really should be the gospel to introduce people to Jesus, because if we start there and they know who Jesus is, then all the other things can start to fall in line. But anyway, you get me you know where we're starting. I'm gonna read to reach you out of Colossians chapter three in verse one. I love this first word. Paul says, if, and then he's gonna present some options. It's indicative of where you fall in, in, in this passage. If, then you have been raised with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ. In other words, there are people that have not been raised with Christ. So. Look, for the benefit of those people that are new and watching today and say, you've lost me already, I don't know what that's about. Well, when you become a follower of Jesus, right, uh, then then you are raised to a new life. Okay, so there's something different. In fact, when people get baptized, it's symbolic of people's death, burial, uh, or Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. It's an act of identification with what he did. And he raises us, spiritually speaking, to new life. So we're talking about spiritual things here. He says, if... Not everyone's gonna fall here, but if you've been raised with Christ and seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse two, he's gonna give us a little bit of advice here. Set your mind. In other words, you gotta concentrate. This is what it means to set your mind. Concentrate, focus, shift your thoughts. Shift your thinking, right? The King James Version would actually say uh, to set your affection. That's how that translates that word, that Greek word. Set your affection. Let the affection of your heart be what? On the things that are above and not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died. And yet they're still there. How about that? Well, he's not talking physically because they're all still alive. He's talking spiritually, okay? So you have died to your old self and you've been resurrected to a new life in Jesus. He says, for you have died and your life is hidden. <laughs> it's hidden. Not that you're hiding, but your life is kind of hidden. Like for example, you, you walk down the street and there's going to be a whole bunch of people, right? It's pretty hard sometimes to just pick out who the people are that have a relationship with Jesus and who are, are the people that don't have a relationship with Jesus. I mean, sometimes you can tell, you, you know, but but honestly, most of the time, there's, there's no big sign on their head. Maybe they're, I don't know, maybe they're wearing like a, what would Jesus do bracelet and you caught a glimpse. You're like, n- n- no one would wear that unless they are a Christian. And even then, honestly, you probably shouldn't. But anyway, I mean, don't, anyway, I, I'm gonna get lost here if I go down that path. But <laughs> my point is simply to you, right? It's hard to pick out people that are Christians just by looking at them. It's why, because there's something that's hidden. There's something that's hidden. That not, 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 doesn't look like anything on the outside is different, but you, but you are different on the inside. And you, you know what's different about you? And this is such a powerful truth, is that resurrection power lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in you. So, you know, there is this resurrection power that's innocent. Not everyone can see. What am I saying? I'm saying that it's hidden. It's hidden with Christ and God. And then he says in verse four, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Now, look, you, you cannot always control your heart, but you can set your mind. You can't always control your heart. Gosh, we did a series on the heart, you know, uh, months ago. And what do we learn about that is that your heart, boy, if you listen to everything that your heart says, you could end up in a world of hurt because your heart will lie to you. Your heart will actually say things to you that will lead you down the wrong path. You know, so so your heart is not always helpful, right? So you can't control the affections of your heart, but you can set your mind. You've got some choices here. You've got some decisions here. You're not just a slave to whatever goes on in your heart. You can set your mind, you can set your affection, you can, you can start to focus on things. You can be intentional about your thought life. You know, just because we have feelings in an area, it's not the same thing as having permission in that same area. You might feel some things, and I think this is really what the apostle Paul is saying. He says, you might feel some things in your heart that in your mind, you know, are probably not okay. Just because you feel it doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't necessarily act on it. That's he right. says you could choose your thoughts. And, what, and, and if you were thinking, what should you think of? Better things. What are those better things? They're the things that are above. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes we've got to get our mind out of just earthly thinking and get our minds on things heavenward. Get our minds on the the things of the Spirit. Get our minds on the things that God is wanting to say to us instead of being so focused on the, the things that are just happening all around us. I tell you, the spiritual precedes the physical. There, there is a, a spiritual authority behind so many things that we see physically happening on earth. I wonder what would happen if, if the people of God, if the people of Bright Church would not just focus on the things that are on the earth. Not saying that we do, but I'm saying that, imagine if you know, the spiritual maturity was at such a level where we were just really aware of what was going on in heaven. We were really discerning about what was happening on the earth. That, that's an awesome church. That's the kind of church that begins to shift and change the world. You know, there's this thing that happens when the Spirit of God lives in you and He begins to manifest His presence in your life. You remember before I told you about Jesus' example about a a tree having fruit. Well, one of the fruits of the Spirit of God. In other words, what am I saying? It becomes self-evident to everyone that the Spirit of God lives in you if you exhibit some of the the, the manifestations or the fruits of the Spirit. It becomes obvious to everyone, right? And one of those things is self-control. You can control yourself. You're not a slave to to your heart's desires. You're not a slave to whatever happens in you. You can make some choices here. You don't don't have to obey everything that your heart says. You have to obey obey all the passions of your heart. Gosh, imagine if we just gave in all the time. Our hearts began to speak to us. You know, some of you have been driving down, you know, the road and you see a KFC sign and your heart says, yes, I want this especially Dave Want, your heart says, I want this. I want KFC, right? Right? And and, and many of us, Dave excluded, right? We would just keep on driving. But, but if you obey its passions, you would just do a U-turn, turn around, you've got to pull into KFC and buy something, right? You just want that twist to combo. But I want to tell you, and, and I'm patient to everyone, not just Dave Want here, it's not just about KFC everybody, but, but the point is, it's just because you feel something in your heart, it's not necessarily permission to go and get it. You're not a slave to that desire. You can make some choices in your life. You're able to choose some things for yourself. The, the, the problem is in the in the, the city that Paul was talking about in Colossae, the people, they had a past. Well, we've all got a past, right? But, but in the city of Colossae, they had a pagan culture. That was their past. So he's writing to specifically the Christians that have come out of a pagan culture. Now, in the New Testament, they call people Gentiles, which is really just another word for pagans. And so we recognize that they just have different values. Now, I could talk about a lot of different values, but let's begin to narrow the focus and really talk about what Paul was trying to get at in this message, since we're studying the book of Colossians. They had a lot of different values, but I would say really, especially, and in many ways specifically, around the topic of sex. And so, they, let's just say this, they were a little loose when it came to the boundaries of sex. Now, if you, you, you've come to church, gosh, if this was your first message that you've ever heard at Bright Church, you'd be surprised how often sex does not come up. But I would say this, right? It's, it's not that Christian people have a problem with sex. Christian people, we're, we're, we're fine with sex. God is, says that sex is good. Uh, all of that is good, right? But God just says that it comes with some boundaries. And the boundaries that he puts in those in place is the boundaries of commitment between two people. We would actually use the word covenant, which is a binding agreement between two people. We have another word for that. We just call it marriage. And he says within the context and confines of marriage, sex is fine and it's good and it's all that, but but the pagans didn't necessarily believe all that. And so Paul is writing to them to help them unpack and understand some things. Now, Paul says a lot of things about the issues of people's heart. In fact, if you read Romans chapter one and verse 24, it says that God gave people up to the lusts of their heart. You know, when we read the scriptures and in the Old Testament, we see some things that thank God, we don't see anymore, right? So, so there's a lot of what we might call God's active wrath, uh, where, you know there's, a, there's, you know, there's a little bit of fire and brimstone. There's some things that happened back there, right? Well, in the New Testament, you know what? We don't see that, but you know what we do see? We see God's what we might call God's passive wrath. What is that? Well, this is like one of the worst things that can happen. Instead of correcting people, God just lets people make their own decisions, and of course, those decisions lead somewhere. In fact, if you read Romans chapter one and verse twenty-four, he says he gave them up to the lusts of their heart. He just said, "Fine, have what you really want." And what happened? Just a couple of verses later, it says that that became uh, that lust became dishonorable passion. And dishonorable passion. Passion is, means something that, uh, that you feel very strongly about. When now that can be good or bad, but it's just something that you feel really strongly about. And so Paul is saying that what happens is, is it begins as lust in the heart, eventually becomes dishonorable passion. People are overwhelmed by their passion. It eventually becomes behavior, right? And now people are starting to act on what just simply began as a thought. And Paul is saying, we got to be careful about this because if we value the wrong things, if we have the wrong values, eventually those values become vices. And I've seen this many times in people's lives, where the things that they value are not the same things that God would value. And those values eventually become vices. And we have to be aware of it. In fact, when values become the wrong values, eventually become vices in your life, we might even call that an addiction. And there are plenty of people out there who are addicted to things. They would give it up if they could. Uh, They just really struggle to do it. And I want to say this to you. If you're a person and you think, you know, where this message is going, right? There is no judgment from me here today. I'm not not here to judge anyone. Certainly not. In fact, I, I would say this, that you can absolutely love God with all of your heart, you know, and still struggle. You can love God with all of your heart and still have addictions in your life. But I tell you this, if you really do love God and you know, having Him in your life really means something to you, well, probably you should do everything you can to get rid of the vices that are actually leading you away from God. You, should, you owe it to yourself to, to, to do everything. So, so Paul talks about two, he actually gives us two lists in the passage after the one that I've read to you today. And uh, I thought, my gosh, I don't have time to address both lists. Um, so I'm going to have to pick one. And one of the lists was anger. And the other list was sex-related stuff. So I went with the sex because, and by the way, I would say this. If you're a person that does struggle with anger, you know, just because we're talking about that topic doesn't mean that it's less serious. I mean, you're a person that's given to anger easily, let's remember this. He lists both things next to each other. So whether you struggle with anger or you struggle with sex-related stuff, right? I'm just focusing on sex for the purpose of this message. But both of these things could end up going in the wrong direction in your life. So this is what Paul says in verse 5. He says, So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death. You've got to kill this stuff. He says sexual immorality. Now that word in the Greek, right, it meant a lot of things, but specifically prostitution. He says, okay, so you've got to give up sexual immorality. You've got to kill this stuff. Impurity, which is your, you know, immoral things. He goes on, he says, uh, passion, which is lust, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And, and we've seen the wrath. God just says, fine, have what you want. And he just abandons people to their own decisions and ends up taking them to a place that they don't want to go. You know, in 20 21. we live in a world that is actually very similar to this right now. We live in a world where, where, uh, when it comes to the topic of of, of sex and, you know, this stuff has become so prevalent in our culture and our society that we've actually keep redefining. I I feel like specifically after, uh, over the last sort of 50 years, we just keep moving the boundary. We keep shifting the boundary. So every generation and every culture, the kids that grow up, this is all they've ever known. And, and what happens is we start to normalize a very sexualized culture. Now, well, to talk about this stuff, you may have heard this before. Some people are gonna go ahead and say something like, oh, you know, I know this stuff. This is old fashioned. You know, my grandparents used to believe this. These are old fashioned values. Well, that's a very cute idea you have there. Let me explain a couple of things to you. If God is God, and everything that we believe about God is real, then He is the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? Well, before time even existed, before the world was created, there was God. And then that's all in our past. I think we'd have to acknowledge that all of that God is in our past. If He exists, He's in our past. But it also says that He's at the end of all things. So He's also in my future. And at the end of all things, when, I don't know, time will be wrapped up and and eternity happens, we find God there too. So what am I saying? Well, He's he's not only just in our past, He's also in our future. And He was before time and He will be there after time. So I would say that these values, right, they're not old fashioned just because your grandparents believed it. They belong to God. They're of God. And so if they're of God, then the things that I'm talking about today, They're not old fashioned, they're timeless. They're outside of time. He's the beginning and the end, he's in the future. And all of his values that he set in the past are still the things that he values in the future because he's the God that doesn't change. In him, there's, there's no shadow, there's no variation. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. So what am I saying? I'm saying that these things eternally exist because they matter and they're important to God. So here's my point, you gotta give up what holds you back. And some of you might be saying, well, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean it holds me back? Holds me back from what? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Listen to me, this is very important. You will never fulfill your purpose in God if you constantly give yourself over to these passions. Full stop. Let me repeat that so that you understand it, right? You will never fulfill the purpose that God has on your life if you constantly give yourself over to these passions. Because you're trying to move in different directions. You're walking in different spaces. It just doesn't work. So so let me ask you a question today. What do you need to give up? What do you you got to give up? What's in your life right now that you'd say, ah, that, that shouldn't be there? Now, I'm only ankle deep. I haven't even really started wading into this message yet. And already some people will say, I already know what it is. I already know the things that I'm struggling with. I already understand my current addictions or my challenges or, or what I'm given to, right? So what are you going to give up? Uh, give up is probably too nice a word. Let's, let's, let's go with what Paul said. What are you going to put to death? What are, what are you going to absolutely annihilate and destroy in your life? So that you can start living out the plan that God has for your life. What have you got to get into a chokehold, wrestle to the ground and choke it out? What have you got to kill in your life that is preventing you from moving into the purposes of God? Now, I, I thought I would just create a really quick, maybe short list of things that I think are really prevalent in our culture and our society that would destroy people's lives today. Let's start with the most obvious one, right? How about pornography? We live in such a sexualized world and pornography is unimaginably accessible for for people today. Anyone with the internet is going to find a really easy way to go ahead and, and look at that stuff. And let me tell you something about this i 'm talking about the values of God, but let me let me just park god 's values away for a, a second, even among secular research, we would understand that probably one of the most soul destroying things that you can do is view pornography because it rewires your brain, it creates an addiction in your life that you that you don 't need it creates unhealthy habits it creates unhealthy expectations of sex in marriage and how it should be and what it should look like and it is just one of the most destroying things that you can do in your life is begin to watch that stuff. So, so if that's in your life, you got to get rid of it. Now, some people are saying, well, I don't, I don't look at that stuff. I don't look at pornography. Okay, fine. So let's just wait a little bit deeper. Um, <clears throat> what Instagram accounts do you follow right now that you should probably unfollow? What hashtags are you currently following that you should probably unfollow? You know, like, I, I, I'm not just talking about the person doesn't have to be completely naked for it to stir up things inside of you. I mean, what are you, what are you looking at that, that the Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, come on now, don't, don't look at that stuff. You, you look at that, that's, that's wrong, right? But what happens is we start to become comfortable, maybe move some boundaries, get comfortable. Well, let, let's move past Instagram, right? Because a lot of people don't even have an Instagram account. So let me just say this. What about some of the movies that you watch? Could you filter your movies a little bit better? you got to be careful what goes into your eyes. It's like KFC all over again. You're going down the road, you see it, right? And suddenly you develop a taste for it. It's stirring something up inside of you. Well, guess what happens when you watch the wrong kind of movies or, or you don't filter them properly? It stirs stuff up inside of you, right? In fact, there's a, there's a word for this and it's called lasciviousness. And this word that you probably never use ever in your entire life. But it means when you stir up something in your life that you can't control. Now, when you start to look at certain things, it's going to stir you up on the inside. And what are you going to do with it? Well, we already know what happens. Paul said it It starts to stir up. It becomes lust. It becomes dishonorable passions. And you know what? If you stay firm focused on that stuff, eventually, I'll tell you, it will affect your behavior in some way. You know, James, he said something really similar to this. He said, the desire, when it is conceived, that it gives birth to sin and sin brings forth death because uh, death is the penalty of sin. So, so we've got to be careful about where things are conceived. We've got to be careful about where things start. We've got to be wary about the first step down the path because it's likely that if you, you start to go down that path that you want to take more steps. You've got to be careful about all of this stuff. Now, some of you go, all right, well, you know, maybe this is just a Christian thing. Oh, no, 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 no. How about this? In 2008, the Rand Corporation, right, which is the, it's a global research organization, secular, not Christian. They have no Christian values, but they just did some research. One of the things that they researched was teenagers. And they did this study and they brought out some findings about it. And they discovered that and get this, this might shock you, that teenagers who watched sitcoms that were just slightly sexualized, right, so they listed things like, you know, the, you're gonna hate me, you're gonna hate me. They listed friends, they listed other series that you just go, oh, but that's just friends, you know, it's just this, it's just that. Okay, well, I didn't do the research, I just read it. I'm just giving you what this research company gave me. All right, so they said, yeah, if they watched, if teenagers watched those things, get the link. They said that they were twice as likely to be pregnant as teenagers. Twice as likely. Their recommendation, right? I'm not saying you have to give up friends, but I'm saying that you should be very careful because their recommendation to parents were that they should be really careful about letting their teenagers and 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 younger people watch stuff that's even slightly sexually provocative. That was their recommendation. You know, when when I discovered this, one of the first things that I did. So I went out and I actually bought, I spent 30 bucks a month and it took me about five hours to do because I had all kinds of email problems, right? But I had to set up emails for all the family and I spent 30 bucks a month on premium YouTube so that I could put the right filters on my kids' YouTube accounts because you know what? You might not realize this, but the number one globally recognized brand among kids today is YouTube. It's not Mattel, it's not a toy company, it's YouTube. The number one globally recognized They're already on it. They're already watching it. And if they're watching it with unfiltered content, I I mean, for me personally, you can do whatever you want, right? But for me personally, I thought I I want to invest in my peace of mind, in my sanity, uh, and in my kids' futures by making sure that we can be careful about what they're watching. Now, what is the point that I'm making? What am I really saying here? I'm saying that your thoughts will lead to your passions and your passions eventually, they dominate your behaviour. Right now, now this, this is not necessarily bad. I mean, there is a good side to this as well, isn't there? You know, if you're totally passionate about God, well, you know, you're, you're going to go that direction. But if you're passionate and value the wrong stuff, well, you know, you're going to go that direction. So let me tell you something that John said. 1 John 3, 6, he says, No one who abides in Him, and we're talking about Jesus, keeps on sinning and no one who keeps on sinning has ever seen Jesus or knows Jesus. You can't have a life in Christ and spend all your time walking away from Him. African proverb says, man who walks in two directions shall split his pants. Okay, so you, you you can't walk away from God and be claiming at the same time, oh, I have a good relationship with Him. No, everything that you do, what's the what's the fruit of the tree? You're just trying to move away from Him. And I don't know about you, but for me personally, right, I don't want to do anything that's going to pull my life in a direction that's away from the purpose that God has for my life. Gosh, we're here for such a short time. Why would I want to, do anything to mess that up. By the way, I would like to add something to you, right? Uh, no one has ever died from a a lack of sex in their life. No one has ever died. No human in history has ever died from a lack of sex. No one's ever died from a, a lack of watching sexual content. <laughs> you, my point is you've got some choices here. I, I tell you, it, it's harmful. You, you don't have to watch it. Nothing bad's gonna happen to you. I mean, what's my point? You can control it. You can control some of these things, right? So maybe your heart does have a desire, but you know, it's up to you whether you act on it or not. And the more you act on it, the more you wanna act on it. I feel like there's so much pressure around the topic of sex today in our, in our culture and our society. You know, especially if you're, if you're single, or maybe you're a, you're, you're a young person. I say young because when you're young, you're, sometimes younger people are more susceptible to having their worldview forms. You know, so maybe you're in your 40s and you're single and you're still facing this pressure. Why? Because if you're a Christian, you believe that sex happens within the confines of marriage. The only problem is you're single. What are you going to do with it? You're, you're dating someone. They, they put some pressure on you. Man, especially if you're a young person and you're, and you're watching right now. You're, someone's putting some pressure on you. Let's, let's, uh, let me make it up, right? But I, I know what's happened before. You're a young girl. You're, you're dating some guy and he says, come on, it's time to take our relationship to the next level. What does that mean? Well, you know, let's, let's have sex, right? And you say no, and he's like, come on, if you really love me, you know, some kind of rubbish like that. And if you're really committed to this relationship until it comes to the ultimatum, where if you're not gonna progress this relationship to the next level, well, you know, then we're gonna break up. You know what I say? Man, let him go. Let him go. He's not committed to that relationship, you know? Some people, they, sometimes it's self-imposed pressure. Sometimes it's pressure from other people, you know? you know. I remember in high school, sometimes there was pressure put on people that were maybe less sexually experienced because they, they hadn't had some of the experiences of other people, you know. There were people that sometimes would just honestly engage in, in sexual behavior because they do not want to be teased by their peers. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You want to be teased? You're going to engage in some stuff that could really affect you because you don't want to be teased. Jeez. What if somebody said, "Well, you haven't robbed a bank? What if somebody started teasing you? you? haven't, What, you haven't robbed a bank? Would you go ahead and rob a bank? No, you, come on. You, you wouldn't rob a bank, would you? You know, for some people, it's, it's, it's more like, you know, oh, but I was just curious, right? Okay, I get it. You're curious about this stuff, right? You can be curious about arsenic. You don't have to drink it. You would be curious about a lot of things. You don't have to, Engage in it. Ah, but I just wanted company. Yeah? Get a dog. Get a dog. They're great company. You know, sex isn't company. Ah, but I just wanted to feel loved. Really? So you thought sex would do that? Oh, Sex isn't love. Sure, it's an expression. It can be an expression of love, but sex is not love in and of itself. You know, oh, hang on, it's okay, it's okay. But, but, but we'll be safe, we'll be safe. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Ah, oh, well, you know, we'll use a condom, we'll be safe. Oh really, that should have about 0% effectiveness on your life, spiritually speaking. You know, there is a thing that happens when two people come together that we're, whether you, you wear protection or not, it's still going to affect your life in some way. Oh, I just wanted to get it over with, did you? Well, let me show you, tell you, the, the quickest way to get it over is say no. That ends it really quick. Uh, it'll, it'll never happen. <laughs> and, you know, what's my whole point in all of this? Well, I'm, you know, God's not trying to punish you into holiness. But at the end of the day, you know, if... if, if if the fire is hot and you put your hand in it, you're gonna end up getting burnt. So you might as well know. I, I love what Charles Spurgeon said about this. He said, Holiness is the architectural plan on which God buildeth his living temple. That's you, that's me. The living temples. It says that, you know, after we've been forgiven for our sin, that God comes and he lives in us. You know, holiness is where he really builds on that. I love what Paul says in Romans 6:12 to 14, he says, Let not. Sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body and to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members, which is your body, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Come on, if you've been brought to death to life, why don't you live like it's real? Why don't you live like that is an eternal truth that's in your life? I know you can't see the resurrection power, but it's going to become very real for you one day. He says, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Listen to this, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. You're under grace. Let me tell you about grace. Grace is not an invitation to sin, it's freedom from sin, it's the power to not sin. You know, like. Just because we're in a covenant of grace doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want and and get away with it. No, it's the power in our lives to not struggle with the shame cycle because we know that we're forgiven. And since we're forgiven, we can come to God. And since we come come to God, we find in that space the things that are above. And in the things that are above, we find a strength that's not of this world that allows us to do things that would ordinarily be impossible for us to do. And I'll tell you something, right? The devil would love to come to you and say, ah, don't worry, don't listen to any of this stuff. There's grace, there's grace. Grace will cover you, grace will cover you, grace will cover you. Don't make enemies or friends with the enemy. You gotta remember who the devil is. If you you hear this voice that's very reassuringly saying to you right now, you can disregard everything. Yeah, I tell you, that's the voice of the enemy that's speaking into your life right now, because he would love to destroy you. You gotta remember who we're dealing with here. You know, I remember the story in the Bible when you know that father had his, the little boy that would often be seized, it have seizure, and he'd try to drown him and, and put him in fire. What kind, of, what kind of demon, sick demon tries to get a hold of a little boy and throw him into a fire? That's, every demon gets their orders from somewhere. You gotta remember who we're dealing with. Anytime the devil starts to try to really encourage you in an area of grace, I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You've got to be careful about this because he absolutely hates you and he wants the worst for your life, so you should think about that before you take his advice. There's a, there's a word that we use for this kind of thinking anti nominalism. And if you think about this word, anti nomianism, and it means anti means against, and nomos means law. It's the belief that we're free to do whatever we want because we're under a covenant of grace and it's not true. That's not how things work. You've got to stop negotiating a way to be okay with sin. You've got to, you've got to be careful. You, you, you've got to be careful to stop moving boundaries in your life and telling yourself, it's okay, it's okay. i it's, tell you why, because it's not, it's not helping you and actually what you end up doing is you're trapping yourself and there's no judgment from me I, I i'm i'm not here to point the finger at anyone but simply to to present to you a very important truth about about the practical spiritual realities about sexual stuff that happens in our culture and our society and if you say oh all right, well, I love your advice. Like, how, how am I supposed to break free, free of this? Well, you know, in the time that we have left, I probably can't go through that exhaustive list. But why don't we just, for today, why don't we just look at what Paul said? What did he really say? How, how are you supposed to do that? Well, he says, seek the things that are above. Set your mind to the things that are above. Yeah, but my heart keeps desiring and wanting this or that. Yeah, yeah I know that. But why don't you just begin to set your mind? Why don't you make an intentional decision to set your mind? It's it's, it's pretty difficult to be overwhelmed by lust when you've got your iPhone in and you're you're listening to worship music and you're on your knees with your hands raised and surrender and and singing your heart out and saying, God, I love you and I I worship you. I'm saying it's a lot more difficult to be overwhelmed by lust in that moment. What about worship? Worshiping God is one of the greatest weapons that we have spiritually speaking. Right? What about, what about just having an active word life? You got worship down, Pat. Some of you love worship, but you say, I'm not much of a, of a reader. Yeah. Well, you know, you read this thing and it changes you. Truthfully, statistically, reading the Word of God is the number one spiritual practice that you can put in your life to become a more spiritual person, to become more spiritually mature. So, so, so get a word life happening. Listen to Dwell, the Bible app. Sure, great, but but make sure you've got a Bible. Make sure you read it. Let me tell you something. If you don't have a Bible, you email us and let us know. We'll make sure you've got one. I just think every person that's following God should have a Bible, you know, and you should be able to read it and we'd love to help you understand it, right? What about just having an active prayer life? You know, the moment that your your heart is starting to lead you in a certain direction rather than giving in, you just say, God, I'm, I'm turning to you. You start to pray. It's probably the thing you feel the least like doing at that moment, but do it. Set your mind, not your heart. Don't follow your heart, set your mind, right? Have an active prayer life and, and pursue that. You know, you know what Jesus is for us? All this connection, the, the Word, the worship, the prayer, all of it, it all goes through Jesus. It's all, it's, it's all about Him. You know what Jesus is for us? He is our freedom. So give up the vices and start to pursue God's values. They're timeless. They're not old fashioned. He's outside of time, which means when He said it, it mattered then and it matters now. And I promise you, it'll matter tomorrow. Here's how Paul ties this whole thing up. And I'll admit, you know, the start part of this verse really deals more with that that anger list that we didn't talk about, but wait for the final verse, because he, he pulls it all together. Colossians three twelve to 15, he says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy. Oh, I love this. You know this? is That he's writing the, the very people that are struggling with sexual sin, he writes to them and he's, he calls them holy. Oh, let that be a declaration over your life right now. Let that be a, a word over your life right now. You, you, you see a lot of the actions and behaviors that are in your life right now, but you're holy and beloved. That's what God sees you. You're holy and beloved. Don't don't, don't let what happened yesterday to to define exactly who you are. You're called to be holy and beloved. That's who God sees you as. Set apart, designated for a God-ordained purpose. He says, put these things on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, verse 15, this is where He ties the whole thing together, stitches it up nicely and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. What's that? That's a mandate to Christian people. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. What is that? That's purpose. There is a mandate on your life and there is purpose on your life. You are called by God. You are gifted by God. You are graced by God. There is a mandate to have peace in your heart. And and, and, you know, so often, especially when people engage in stuff that they really know in their heart of hearts, is not right, right? What happens? Well, they just wanna shrink back from their relationship with God. They they, they, they lose their prayer time, their reading time, because it's just so hard to get before the God that you feel like you're let down. But I love, He says, hey, if you're failing right now, I call you holy, I call you beloved. You are not what you do. who Christ declares you to be. So you've got to start to see yourself right. It's not an excuse to sin, it's freedom from sin. There is purpose on your life. It's time to give up what holds you back because you will never walk in the fullness of God's purpose for your life if you constantly just give yourself over to these things. So let me do this really quickly. I want to pray for anyone today that in their... Heart of hearts, as soon as I started speaking about this stuff, you already knew that there was something in your life that was just not quite right. It doesn't have to be everything, but there are some things. And I would love to pray for you right now that God brings freedom. So what is this going to look like? Well, I'll pray that there is a grace for you, but you need to lean into that grace. How do you do that? You set your minds on the things that are above And He'll bring His grace and you set your mind and you watch as you begin to walk out of this valley because you're going to put to death some things right now that have been destroying you. It's our hope for you that they wouldn't ruin your life or ruin your purpose. God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. It's time to walk in it. Give up everything. Get rid of everything. Put to death anything that is going to prevent you from walking in that. All right, so why don't we do this? Let's pray together. And if you know I'm praying for you, maybe you're, you're sitting amongst your family right now and you're like, it, this is definitely for me. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up because maybe that would, you know, in some way, maybe that maybe, I don't know, it exposes what's really going on in your life. But I can tell you this, that oftentimes when things are in the dark, they have power over you and you bring them into the light and they lose their power. So I want to pray for you, Father. I just thank you for every single person who says, that's me, there's something in my life right now. Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name that you would come and that you would minister to their soul. I pray, God, for peace. That rather than seeing themselves as this horrible person or seeing themselves as, maybe it's, they they have this low view of themselves, dirty, disgusting, whatever it is, in Jesus' name, we just pray. I pray that that shame cycle would just be cut off right now. We pray instead of that, that the peace of God would rule their hearts in Christ. That they would know, those who are following Jesus, that they have already been forgiven for these things. But Lord, that they also need to set their minds on the things that are above and make intentional effort towards avoiding the things that hold them back. Thank you, God, that there is purpose on every single person that's listening to this right now. There is a purpose for their life. And I pray, God, for the freedom from all of these things a severing, a cutting off right now, so that this day they might breathe again, relax, and realize, God, that you have enough grace that's sufficient for this time of weakness that's in their life. Lord, I pray that your grace would be poured out, not in a way so that they can keep sinning, but in a way that empowers them to come before you, to get into your presence and to make a decision in that space. that They're not going to do this anymore. Let this be a new day. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.